You're listening to Work Tape, episode 37. everyone it is Christina and Isaac yet again and today we're gonna waste no time we're gonna get straight into Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd good album good album it's a great record yeah fantastic like we were talking about before off air I should say this album to me feels like such an acquired taste and I don't think I've ever quite acquired it but at the same time I'm like wow like you so much to appreciate on this album. There is so much going on. It's really, really impressive. You know, for an album that I wasn't around during that time, what it precedes us by a couple of decades. Yeah. At least, right? So it, it's kind of, um, okay, so Pink Floyd by the 90s, because, you know, they were a household name for like 30 years by that point. Mm-hmm. I feel like people from our generation it was definitely dad rock, like dad music. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And so my dad actually liked um, the 40s and, you know, like he liked Perry Como. He liked Glenn Miller, mm-hmm. the Glenn Miller band. So he liked a lot of big band jazz. Okay. And Artie Shaw. Nice. But for him, he did like Chicago. So to be fair, that's why I never grew up with Led Zeppelin. Or Pink Floyd. I think my dad did not, even though he liked the Beatles, right? You know, everyone liked the Beatles. Yeah. But aside from the Beatles, my dad did not listen to any psychedelic rock. Mm, Okay. You know, no Jimi Hendrix. So I had no idea who Hendrix or Zeppelin or Pink Floyd were growing up. Mm. Not even Gentle Giant or, or Yes. So Chicago, for me, that's why Terry Kath became my favorite guitarist, my favorite lead guitarist, because he was the only guy I had. But to be fair, he was a high quality guy. I mean, Jimi Hendrix gave him a mention as well as him being cemented as a very underrated, I hate this term, but guitar god for the time. Mm -hmm. He's a great guitarist, regardless of what band he was in. So that was Chicago for me. Now, Pink Floyd Because I didn't listen to that kind of progressive rock, it was different. Because Chicago were a different kind of progressive rock. It was the jazz rock sound. Yeah. Pink Floyd, when I first gave them a listen, it was so different to me. And I have to be honest, because as a teenager, it was super boring when I first listened to it. It was like, where's the fun? Where's the meat? Like, there's nothing going on. This is, what is this, right? Like, what dads have the worst, at least... Other dads, uh-huh. right? <laughs> Other uh-huh. dads have the absolute worst taste in music. Like, this is just boring. And I think, again, our generation, as time has gone on, generation after generation, I think it's the attention span. 100%. Yeah. And Dark Side oh, yeah. of the Moon is not, I repeat, not an up-tempo album at all. It is not for casual listening either. When I was listening to it, I had already been listening to Led Zeppelin. Well, listening to it last week to refresh my memory, I should say. I was already listening to Led Zeppelin to refresh my memory. And I know that band so well that I I was able to listen to each song for a few seconds, kind of like scroll through. And then I was able to do the same thing with Jimi Hendrix. And then I got to Dark Side of the Moon and was like, oh, 
I can't really just give this a casual listen. It's like you said, the attention span, and it does feel boring when you're not into it. I agree. Yeah, I think when I first listened to it, I was like, what is the hype behind this album, behind this group? When I heard Pink Floyd, the name Pink Floyd, I assumed it would be closer to, again, Chicago, a little bit more upbeat and just more like like hit songs. Like Chicago is a hit band. I mean, they had a lot of, of hits. Like everyone has heard Chicago, even if they're not big on that band. Sometimes I feel like they rival the Beatles mm. when it comes to, let's see. So it's typically Beatles. Rolling Stone is actually, I don't think, as successful as Beach Boys, though. I agree. If we're going to talk about success, I would say Beach Boys and Beatles for bands. I would agree. Now, when it comes to American rock bands, the Beach Boys, which are America's rock band, California's rock band, right? Mm -hmm. I think they are the most successful rock band in America. I could be wrong. But guess what? Chicago is like right there in the top two with, with the Beach Boys. That's very cool. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, late 60s, 70s stuff, um, Chicago. Like, that's what rock music should have sounded like during that time. Like, hit songs, you know, really upbeat and catchy and, and fun. And I'm like, okay, Pink Floyd must be really fun, right? You know, and really upbeat. And the exact <laughs> no. opposite, man. Uh-huh. I'm like, <laughs> I'm waiting for the buildup. And again, my, my teenage mind, which can't handle, you know, a 30-second, because I had ADHD, so it was even worse for mm. me, okay? So mm-hmm. this is extreme. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't sit still for this record. <laughs> like, when is it going to end? And I'm still right in the beginning. Like, time hasn't even started yet, right? And I'm just like, uh, what is this? Yeah. I'm still on Speak to Me. And so I know. it's like black coffee. It took some time and ah, uh, literally. Yeah. And honestly, it became, it's not my favorite record. Yeah. In fact, I didn't even listen to The Wall. I should get into The Wall. But Dark Side became surprisingly a go-to album for me. It became an album that I would frequent from time to time. Ugh, I hate these dumb puns. I usually like them, but th- these are too easy. <laughs> but uh, this is an album that I would frequent from time to time. And it would work. Like, it's an album that would weirdly work. And yes, there is that conspiracy that you watch it with... A Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. I did it one time. I remember I did that. Did you? Yeah. How did you feel about that? I don't know. I remember that conspiracy. I don't even remember what like the actual conspiracy is. Is that like it goes along with it? Like the whole album goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how that would work because the album is shorter than the movie. So maybe I'm missing something. I didn't search into it enough. So that's all I can say to comment. But what, what did you think? So I was 22 when someone suggested that I try it out. Okay. Now, it wasn't the first time listening to Dark Side. Okay. But I was 22 when my friend was like, did you know Dark Side of the Moon? Like you play it right next to Wizard of Oz and it works perfectly. And I'm like, okay. So I tried it. And you know what? It's probably the, um, what is that word? It's, is it placebo effect? Oh, yes. Okay. So there's so many effects. There's Mandela, placebo. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're already anticipating, I think. And so I feel like at that point, I'm not thinking the way I'm talking right now. I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's going to work. And so I don't think that that is an accurate 
I don't think it's fair. I feel like you would have had to have never told me about it. You would have had to just have me watch it. And then, you know, don't tell me it's going to work before I watch it. Because now I'm thinking it works, right? So I can't really tell you. Right. But I will say this. I I thought it was interesting. For my 22-year-old brain, I thought, yes, I do feel like it worked. But I do think, even as a skeptic, I think it was a stretch. Mm, Okay. So I'm going to have to actually watch it again because it's been a while. That's so interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look more into that, honestly. But my opinion is that it's a stretch. And I don't think, I think it's more wishful thinking and just a really, like, I don't even think when someone says it's a coincidence, it's so subjective. What someone calls a coincidence might not be a coincidence to someone else. Sure. Yes, that's very true. And so I feel like this dark side Oz pairing is similar. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that deep. (laughs) Is what I'm saying. Fair. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I never did that. Actually, I never listened to Pink Floyd at all until my mid-20s. So my mom was very, very much against rock music. I never listened to it growing up. In fact, I didn't like it growing up, the little bit I heard, probably because I wasn't exposed to it. I was exposed to so much peaceful music like Maranatha and stuff like that. So the first time I even heard Cutlass their first album, which was more upbeat than their second one, I was like, ew, I don't like this. This is in high school. Well, all of a sudden, I get exposed to American Idiot by Green Day and one of Linkin Park's albums. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And that actually got me into rock. And eventually later in college, when I started listening to my dad's music, which wasn't Pink Floyd. It was Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. And my life was forever changed. Just like, I mean, to this day, they're my favorite band, even though I don't listen to them anymore. And so Pink Floyd later, I started listening to them, Jimi Hendrix, really listening to them later when I was super identifying with my hippie stage. And I think, honestly, I was just looking like, (laughs) you know. know, So that's where that came from. That's where that came from, huh? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It was all connected in my brain. I'm like, I'm a hippie. I love folk music and I love 60s rock. So I'm going to listen to all this stuff. And like, I genuinely liked it. (laughs) Most of it. You totally fit in the Joni Mitchell era. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, what's her name? Carol. Is it Carol King? Carol King? Yeah, Carol King. Because Carol Kay is the bassist, the session bassist that has, Oh, okay. Yeah, Carol Kay played on like Beach Boys. She's probably the most successful and most busy session bassist or session bass guitarist in the world that I could think of as far as American recordings go, right? Okay. So yeah, you remind me of Joni Mitchell, Carol King era. Like you would fit right in during that time period. Yeah, that was my thing. And that's like what I was trying to embody, to be honest. And like, to be fair, it wasn't an act. Sometimes I was scared it was an act, but like it wasn't like I literally loved the hippies until I read up on them and was very disillusioned. I um, sad life, very sad life, depressing uh, for many of them. But I loved 60s music. And someone told me about Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, which I'd heard of but I'd never listened to. I think the only song I had maybe ever heard by Pink Floyd was just another brick in the wall or whatever it's called. That song became such a meme. 
Yes, it did. Actually, my mom does love that song. She loved Pink Floyd growing up in high school. So it's weird that I never got into them. I just, I got into all my dad's music. But yeah, so I listened to Dark Side of the Moon in the car and I was like, well, I can see why uh, you need to be stoned to enjoy this album because it opens up with like the helicopter sound and the guy's screaming and I'm like, what? is happening i was like what a trip i'm not even stoned and what a trip (laughs) so that's a total foley album foley album so foley's the sound effects in movies oh yeah that's right i have heard that before i almost said asmr which technically there might be some asmr in it but (laughs) it's it's more foley than asmr at all yeah ah yeah i agree with you and then when a clock's just like (laughs) <laughs> like it's always yes. so loud I'm like whoa like like what's going on it kind of shows me how far we've come along in audio production mm-hmm. and mixing and mastering i mean that was dynamic because one moment's super quiet and then all of a sudden this mm-hmm. and i'm like dude i gotta turn it down you know or or i have a bad copy because i know different copies yield different listening experiences good point, good point. yeah you know I think I noticed certain things about the album back then, but listening to it kind of critically last week, I was like, oh my gosh, obviously it's a very thematic album, but there's a whole lot that ties it together. Like they have that um, vocal riff that keeps going the da, 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 in several different songs, sometimes in a different key and it goes like with a different chord or whatever, but it keeps back. And then all of a sudden you have Money, which throws it all off. That's my favorite song on the album, by the way. Money is so good. It's so 60s. That's probably Roger's best moment, in my opinion. Mm. Was he the bassist? Yeah. Okay. Excellent songwriter. Fantastic. Amazing songwriter. Mm-hmm. One of the best out there, for sure. But again, he's, he's such a supporting bassist. He doesn't do anything crazy. Now, I remember I totally trashed on him <laughs> some episodes ago. Yeah. But uh, no, his bass lines in Dark Side are solid. I mean, his bass playing through before and the rest of Pink Floyd's discography. He's really good, but I do like what he does in Dark Side. Mm-hmm. I didn't prepare myself to get too much into the music theory. I totally could. Right. And I'm sure you could as well, but I didn't. This is a very casual commentary of the record and kind of how we came to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they, they frequent that two chord pattern. They'll do it like yeah. a few times and then they they change it. Yeah. But yeah, they frequent that two chord progression and it's very bluesy. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because even when like they get off of whatever two chord pattern they're on and shift into a different chord, they go into another two chord pattern for a little bit and then maybe get off of it. But yeah, that's very, very interesting. Just all the themes that tie this album together. It's very cohesive. Except for maybe money, but I love it. Dude, money, is money, I swear, is the most okay. So the foley at the beginning because it has like the it's just like time. It's got the loud cash register. Actually, it's not as aggressive as the clocks, but it does it's still have, aggressive though. Yeah, it's aggressive enough. It's super cool how rhythmic it is. And so time is uh sorry not time um money money sorry <laughs> no it's okay money is very right the one word titles. Money is definitely the most not fitting track there, but 
Yeah. Even though it's not my favorite, because I, you know, it should be my favorite. Is it five four or seven four? I can't remember what seven, it was. Seven four. Seven. Okay, so seven four. I love that. That's cool. The baseline is super sick. Yeah. I also like the textures from Gilmore. The guitar has that stuttery effect. And he's just, mm-hmm. he's totally just support during those sections. Of course, he has a solo. I like that. And also, the ding, 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 ding. You know, he does, Roger does the walking bass lines. And it's a super cool song. But I think the reason why it's not my favorite and I don't like it, because as you probably could tell, time is my absolute favorite Pink Floyd track, period. I mean, oh, okay. I love that song more than Brick in the Wall, part two. And I think that's because I really got into Dark Side. So even though I totally was like saying, well, Dark Side, I didn't think was that great when I first listened to it. Okay, it became a go-to listen. It became that album that I would listen to on a car ride. It became that album I would actually even listen to. Like you would find me like I was going through like a rough time in my life and I used a, a friend's van to like do a favor for them. You know, they were like, oh yeah, do this favor for me. You can use my van though. You know, you don't even have to use your car or whatever. I was like, okay. And lo and behold, in the CD player was Dark Side of the Moon. And so this record kind of just followed me everywhere, you know, not every single day or every month, but it would follow me and I would listen to it. And it would just be like, you know what? This album's perfect for driving. I want to leave it in there, you know? And every time I use his van, Dark Side of the Moon, Dark Side of the Moon. And it was just like this thing, like, I like this record, you know? Mm. And I would always wait for time. That became the highlight whenever I would listen to Pink Floyd. And I would actually rather listen to time through listening to Dark Side of the Moon track to track because it's such an experience. Mm. It's Gilmore, in my opinion, at his Gilmoreist. Home! Home again! Yes! So good! I love that. (laughs) You know, I like the dark tone. Even the clocks are kind of... I like it. I love the intro too, you know? I mean, I talk about intros a lot, but it is one of my favorite buildups to a rock song. It's a really good song. And then the segue out of it into um, Great Gig of the Sky is not next, so right? It is. Okay, yeah. So it goes right into that one. But yeah, Time just a really... That's one of the coolest rock songs I've ever heard in my entire life or one of the coolest songs ever. So it does... That one is cool. Yeah, so I think Money has a cooler approach with the time signature and being it's really catchy but it's almost too easy to like time is more subtle i look at time as like like a man old and wise in his age he's paced and he's very calculated with his words but i think money is more no offense that gimmicky younger kid who you know he's fiery he has energy and he's fun but he's not He's not wise, you know, but he's fun. And so Money's a fun track. It's so good. Yeah. But I'll take time because of that maturity. It's such a good track. I I really, truly believe it's one of their best. Now, I don't know where it fares in comparison to like Animals. And I know everyone loves Wish You Were Here. But Time is my absolute favorite Pink Floyd track. It's just so good. But Isaac, Time is Money. That was good. Just kidding. No, that was fantastic. (laughs) Why did I not think of that one? That was so I'm good. wondering the same thing. I know. That's what I did. Did I make... I mean, I made puns in college all the time. Did you hear me make puns all the time? 
I probably did. I don't remember, but probably. It's probably why you avoided me. I don't blame you. No, I that love makes, that makes puns. Sense. Are you kidding? I love <laughs> puns. That was perfect. Time is money. Well, that's the name of this one. Yeah, time is money. <laughs> there you go. But oh goodness, it is windy. Uh, anyway, yeah, time time is a good track. I like it, but I think money's definitely my favorite track on the album. The album in general is very good. I still it's not a go-to, just like you said. I wouldn't listen to it a whole lot. I mean, definitely now I wouldn't listen to it. But I would listen to it if I'm like needing to go to sleep. I'm not going to lie. Fair. It's the perfect sleeping record. <laughs> you know, there. what struck me about that album is just how chill their voices are. They're so mellow. I love it. I love their vocals. He has a real nice voice, too. Just like a really nice sounding voice. Love it. Okay, so I really want to know, and maybe this is a cliched question, but how do you feel about Great Gig in the Sky, the vocal solo? Is that the... Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's actually... It's good. Like, don't get me wrong. That's never been my thing. The belting, right? Correct. Yeah, the belting. That's never been my thing. Not because I didn't like belters. You know what, though? Power belting was never my huge thing. And back in the day, I wasn't super into gospel vocals anyway. That's changed a lot. I like it a lot more now. My friend Fran, on the other hand, gospel is kind of her thing. She doesn't sing it, but she loves listening to it. And that's like her favorite part of Dark Side of the Moon that solo in Great Gig in the Sky. Ah, uh, we should have had her. That would have been perfect. I know. <laughs> I completely forgot about that too. She loves it. She absolutely loves it. I don't mind it. It's just not like, it's not a standout to me like it is a standout to her. So you would definitely take money over Great Gig. Yeah. yeah. Money is 100% my favorite song on the album. Time is good. I do like breathe. Breathe is really good. I like that one a lot. So those are my three favorites. Us and Them is good. I was just going to say that. Us and Them's great. Yeah, that's a really good song too. So I would say those are my four favorites. I don't really like a lot a lot of the songs on the last part of the album. Like I'll skip through a lot of them, but I do like Us and Them. Oh, forgot. Is that that is Us and Them, right? The dun yeah that's the one i love that track so that one's great too so good yeah Yeah, that's a great it's just so chill i love it yeah the the transitions the 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 progression that one is unmistakably pink floyd for sure Mm. that one and time i think are my favorites yeah they're good fantastic album probably if i were to critically listen to it like really do a deep dive on this album, we could find even more elements that tie all of that theme together. But yeah, even with a quick listen, like I did, there were a lot like the two chord patterns all over the place and the, the vocal riff that keeps coming back. And yeah, the rhythm that would never leave (laughs) that just won't go home. It just, it just won't quit. It's like, I know it's 2 a.m., but we're still doing this up in here. They would do an album that would never end. If anyone did it, it would have been Pink Floyd. That's That's true. true. You're right, right? 
<laughs> they're like, this is the great gig in the sky and we're not stopping. So can I also say one of the coolest album covers of all time? It is very cool. Yeah. It is very, very cool. It's simple and it's just straightforward and it's beautiful. And I'm like, man, that is amazing. And I love how there's no moon. <laughs> there is no moon. You're so right. You know what? This album totally reminds me. I don't even know why you're going to be like, okay. It reminds me of Star Wars. There is no reason for it to hmm. remind me of Star Wars, but the it cover? just reminds really? me of Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like I look at it and I kind of think like, oh, Star Wars. And it, no reason. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's all dark. And yeah. when I think of Star Wars, I think of like a black, black sky. And then there's all of a sudden a ship that or, appears out of nowhere. <sighs> yeah. Which is breathe. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Real, and probably new conspiracy. Don't play this with Wizard of Oz. Play this with Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like that would fit better. That would fit so much better than <laughs> Wizard of Oz. They're playing us, man. <laughs> yeah. They are. And we're playing this record. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, no, great record. So I haven't really decided this. We could totally do a track by track analysis sometime, though. But I felt like sure. it was appropriate to talk about our origins with this record because I guess for me and maybe for you, but definitely for me, it's an album that I don't listen to every day, maybe not even every year, but it like always comes back in my life. And I'm like, this is just perfect. Yeah. And this might upset some people or everyone. But Pink Floyd are kind of perfect background music, you know? It just, I would listen to it if I needed to focus. I wouldn't listen to Black Sabbath if I needed to focus on work. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> different no. kind of Different kind of vibe, for sure. I think Pink Floyd has a really good vibe for if you're wanting to focus on something. To be honest, if I need to focus on something, I cannot have music on at all because I have my mind just goes into analysis mode. But it's bad. Like, forget, forget listening to classical music while I study. Like, listening to Bach while I'm studying? Absolutely not. I'm like, oh, that modulation right there. And oh, that was glorious. Like, no, it won't work. <laughs> it's a mess. But if I did have that ability, Pink Floyd is literally perfect because it's so mellow. <laughs> Sabbath, on the other hand, is like, it's just very abrasive sounding. It's loud. Like, I like some Sabbath songs, but it's, yeah, I agree. Not good for studying or focusing. No. no. Funny that you mentioned the focus part. One, because I don't have it. Number two, <laughs> I actually can do that. I can listen to music and focus. Now, sometimes you're right. Like, sometimes I will need to listen to an artist that's not so supposedly complex, right? I might listen to, sure. even though jazz also works. Now, not bebop. Nothing, not even Dixie jazz, nothing super upbeat and loud and in your face. I, and this is my favorite style of jazz anyway, but I really like West Coast or cool jazz. I think we should talk about Kind of Blue. I don't know if you've listened to that record yet. I've listened to just bits and pieces. I don't have the attention span for jazz, unfortunately, because ah. I do like it, but I do not have the attention span for it. Bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard that one. Is yeah. that Freddie Freeloader? I think it is. It might be. I can't remember. It's okay. 
There is an exception to this rule, though. I don't have the attention span for jazz. I truly don't, except um, Herbie Hancock, Chameleon. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Yeah. I will like jam out. I'm like, this song, this song is so great. I'll put it on while I'm exercising. It's so good. I can get on the treadmill for 13 minutes or however long that song goes and just be bopping. It's so good. Yeah, I love Chameleon. But yeah, um, was uh, Kind of Blue, is that Miles Davis? Yeah, Miles Davis. That's from 1959. And he had Bill Evans on piano for that oh, record. Oh, nice. I'm surprised I've never mentioned him. Mm, good stuff. I do love Vince. Bill Evans should be in everyone's top 10 pianists. He's amazing because... Mm. I tend to frequent Oscar Peterson, Art Tatum, Vince Guaraldi, Thelonious Monk, and oh, Hiromi Urahara. I love her. Oh, she's something else. Oh my gosh. Yeah, these are all obviously very talented musicians. There's nothing like a good jazz musician. They are so talented. They've worked so hard. In fact, um, do you know Wynton Marsalis? Very good trumpet player. I don't listen to him, but I've heard of him. So he's a jazz trumpeter, I'm pretty sure, but his classical chops are like gnarly. Mm. He is so good. Um, Yeah, you know, I really wish I had the attention span for jazz. It's one of those things that in theory I love. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Literally. Like me. Yeah. Me and my friend, um, my a friend who I used to have named Minju. She and I used to go to the Nash, which is in central Phoenix. It's a jazz club, real, real chill, real cool spot. All of like the jazz teachers from ASU and all those places always play there. And they are amazing. We have such a good drummer who teaches at ASU named Dom Moyo, and he would play there. His drumming is fantastic. And it's one of those things that I can really appreciate, but I would get bored very, very quickly. Hmm. And it's such a shame. I think it's just one of those things kind of like dark side of the moon is not just meant for easy, casual listening. I feel the same about jazz. It's more um, highbrow kind of not in a bad way. It's just, yeah, one of those things. It sounds like you have a high respect for it though. I do. Fun fact, my grandmother she lived in the Bronx, her and her twin sister back in the like 50s and 60s. They saw in the village, Greenwich Village, they saw John Coltrane and I think Miles Davis possibly too in the clubs. I, I remember talking to my grandma and her telling me she had been a beatnik. And I'm like, what? I never knew this. She's like, oh, yeah, we were hippies. We were beatniks. And we used to go to Greenwich Village to the jazz clubs. And I saw John Coltrane. And I was like, what? You know who John Coltrane is? And I was like, how? It was amazing. So cool to find that out. But yeah. Wow. So I wish I liked this stuff more. But I do have a mad respect for it. And I do love Vince Guaraldi. Absolutely. Dude. And I like what I've heard of Thelonious Monk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Those two are now Thelonious is definitely much more technical. Mm. But Vince, I've always liked how accessible of a pianist he is, but he's really good. And very he's almost like a really good songwriter, you know. He doesn't need to write the most complex song. He doesn't need to write the most crazy piece, but he writes so nice to listen to. Yeah, he writes pieces that really resonate well with people and 
I just love his, yeah, like I said, his accessibility as an artist. He's really good at painting emotion. And then you listen to it and you just, he, he's very vivid. Mm. I mean, I think you have to be vivid to be able to work with a TV show like he did. Yeah. I know it's a little bit of a meme and I don't know if the jazz community takes Vince seriously, but I feel like they should. I think they should too. I know my, um, my jazz friends seemed to like Vince Guaraldi. They all appreciated him for sure. He was such a good pianist, man. Yeah. And it's just classic. I mean, the peanuts, come on, it's classic. <laughs> I mean, I feel so. like Vince Guaraldi and his trio, I think they made peanuts. Not, I, Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I, I feel like you can't take away Vince Guaraldi from peanuts. Now, as far as the show is concerned, because didn't the cartoon come out first? The strip, right? Um, you might be right. I actually don't know. Okay. My assumption, without even looking it up, is that the strip came out first and then they came up with the show after. But if we're going to just talk about the show, you cannot take away Vince Guaraldi and his band from that show. It needed that. It's not mm. the same. In fact, it's, it's so synonymous with the visuals of the show and the script of the show that when they remade it for Apple... They mimicked a sound. I forgot the name of the group. I want to talk about them sometime. That'd be kind of cool. But there's a trio or a, a band that, and I looked it up too, because when I was watching, I watched a little bit of the Peanuts remade on Apple and they had the sound, they had the jazz trio. And I was like, wait, this sounds really, this sounds like Vince Guaraldi. So I don't know if this is like AI and they're like mimicking his style I don't know if these are old recordings of Vince or I don't know if these are recycled from the show from the 60s. And so lo and behold, it's a different band, but they are playing pretty similarly to the way Vince and his trio would have. And Vince's style, in my opinion, pretty much made the show. Vince deserves that respect. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. Very, very good. Now, on the topic of drummers, and I know we should totally end this one, but I'm, I'm just curious. Have you ever listened to Art Blakey? I've never heard of him. You might like him. And if you like drummers. I do. I mean, why Why wouldn't you? I mean, drummers are amazing, but. They're awesome. And I love jazz drummers for sure. Okay. Art Blakey. Listen to Art Blakey. Okay. I think it's Night in Tunisia. Oh, I know that track. There are so many recycled tracks in jazz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Jazz standards. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone does them. Like Night in Tunisia, um, mm -hmm. Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock. That's a great jazz standard. Oh, my gosh. That one's so good. Autumn Leaves. Autumn Leaves is yep. like such an <laughs> overdone one for sure. Um, Night in Tunisia, Art Blakey. Yes. All right. Oh, and I didn't even mention this guy, Scott Joplin, also one of the greatest pianists of all time, in my opinion. Oh, he was, um, yeah, or, um, Maple Leaf Rag. Yes. He's like a pioneer in that kind of music. He was so influential, um, which was really cool for the time, him being, um, I believe African-American. That's okay. You can say black. Yes, Black. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's okay. but, but yeah, um, being a Black man, being a Black pianist, he was so influential for the time. That's amazing. I don't know a whole lot about Scott Joplin, but I used to um, I used to run a social media page for a job, a studio. I still work there, but I'm leaving soon. But anyway, and I would put little blurbs about certain musicians on their birthday. 
And on Scott Joplin's birthday, I remember like looking up a little bit about him and it was just really cool how influential he was. Sure. Jelly Roll Morton is Mm. a bit of a godfather of jazz, but I would go even further back because jazz is, you know, blues is the godfather of popular music. And it's also the father of like jazz. Like without blues, we would not have had jazz or hip hop. We wouldn't have either of those if it weren't for blues. But then you take blues and, you know, the blending of classical styles of music, ragtime. I don't know if there's a more proper term for it, but ragtime, which Scott Joplin is, he's the number one ragtime pianist. I don't think anyone remembers any of the other ones. Yeah, I sure don't. (laughs) No. Now, Art Tatum did, I think, jazz at the time in the 20s, 30s, 40s maybe 20s and 30s, I think they still recognize ragtime and kind of would play ragtime pieces like Tiger Rag. So Art Tatum, I didn't know this was going to turn into a pianist episode, but Art Tatum is one of the greatest pianists around. Mm-hmm. Oscar Peterson was mesmerized by him. Yeah, like he's one of the most influential pianists for sure. And he, he was a madman. He was, he was very technical. He did a lot of runs. He was very busy. And so a lot of people would say, oh, he's way too fast. He's way too technical. Like he's not making music. He's just doing tons of runs. He's just an exercise guy. And I think these are the same things that Eddie Van Halen has been accused of. Like he's not like a feel artist like Jimi Hendrix is where Jimi Mm. Hendrix is not like Eddie Van Halen. He's more of like texturizing and kind of doing his own thing. Whereas Eddie Van Halen is a lot more structured than Jimi. And so Art Tatum has structure. I think sometimes he could still get sloppy if he wanted to but he's fast. Mm. But anyway, what I'm saying is uh, that, yes, during those times, Art Tatum's period, I think they still recognized ragtime. It was still somewhat relevant, but ragtime really had its time during the 1800s and the very end of the 1800s into the 1900s. And that's when jazz, like, you know, from blues, like it just became a thing. But without Scott Joplin, I don't think we would have jazz or someone like Scott Joplin. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. It's so funny, too, because really it's like you listen to them and it's still so different. There's so many differences, but for sure, ragtime was what led to uh, jazz. Absolutely. And it's always so shocking to me how early ragtime was. I always expect early 1900s, not late 1800s. It's crazy. It always reminds me of saloon music, too. That's what I think when I hear ragtime. I'm like, let's go to the saloon. (laughs) You know, sometimes I hate that. I actually find it funny, but sometimes I hate how these amazing genres get reduced down to memes, like meme culture. It is sad. It's very sad because like we were saying, it was so hugely influential. But yeah, it's true. It's like they do get reduced to that. They do. I mean, it happens with everything. But yeah, when it comes to rockers, I think we should respect rockers. But I really do not at all think we should respect rockers on the level of jazz and classical. Sure. Sure. You know, or even though they have them in a issues. different way. Yeah. Yeah. I think there should be a different level of respect. To be fair, classical and jazz, I mean, they are the fathers of popular music. Mm-hmm. And I hate saying classical or jazz because I feel like it lumps them all into the same category. But that's the best term we have right now. Sure. But as far as jazz and classical and all of the subgenres and their proto genres and whatever, the pre genres, you know, a lot of them would probably turn in a grave over what's happened with music. 
Like, what have you done to my music? Like, you totally did this. But I mean, it's no different than a parent getting upset with a kid. Like, what have you done to my hard work? And like now, like you're desecrating my name, you know, and you can't do anything because they're your child. And I think that's <laughs> just that's just real life. Right. I mean, your kids will do something different, most likely than what you did. Yes. And you have to be OK with it. So in our defense, that's what we do. And that's what and see, that's what they did back then. They did the same thing. They took their traditions and they threw it out the window. You're like, you know what? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, both were very rebellious movements, too. Yeah. Well, you had um, Debussy, who I think is classified as like a kind of jazzy classical piano composer. Like his stuff had a like, I don't want to say a lot of jazz influences. It may have probably been the opposite. Like he influenced jazz. I don't know. I have to look more into that. But because of his harmonies and stuff and you had like traditional, what was traditionally taught as harmony, acceptable harmony, acceptable theory, things like that. And he fails out of his harmony class because he doesn't want to follow the rules. He wants to do what he wants to do. And it was so good. His music was just amazing. So, so good. And I mean, music isn't going to progress without that. But at the same time, you will get the older people be like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and it's fair. <laughs> and to be honest, sometimes it's totally fair. Because sometimes people break the rules and come up with absolute trash. And then you have people who break the rules and it becomes a masterpiece like WC. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Oh, to be young and dumb and throw out the traditions of your parents and do something different, whether it's trash or not. Yeah. <laughs> That is so funny, but it's relatable. Yeah, it absolutely is. I don't think there will ever be an end to that. As long as this world is going, it's always going to happen because we have different ideas of like, you know, what's cool and whatnot, what's beautiful even. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting. So that was our awkward introduction to jazz. I do want to get more into the classical periods like romantic and and whatnot. Yes. Baroque, is that one of them? Yep. Baroque was very early on. Then you had classical, then you had romantic, and then you had contemporary. Before Baroque, you had Renaissance and medieval, I believe. Oh, perfect. Because you're the classical girl, right? You, Mm -hmm. oh, perfect. Okay, so we'll meld my jazz to your classical and we'll do that. That'll be perfect. Ooh, this will be fun. This will be fun. Cool. Okay, cool. Right. Everyone's like, we thought this was like a rock and pop podcast. Like, well, oh, you guys got you guys got your <laughs> fill of rock. Now, now it's time for the meat that is classical and jazz. I mean, they wouldn't pop and rock would not exist if it weren't for these before them. So just saying. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Page, very inspired by Bach. A lot of rockers in that time period were very, very inspired by the music of Bach, which yeah. is so Brian interesting. Brian May took the style. <laughs> Did he? His hair. Brian May's oh, hair. Yes. He, he's like this. He looked like a like a physicist, like an astrophysicist or whatever you want to call him. I don't know. Like a rocket scientist. Or... Yes. I forgot about his hair. <laughs> he looks like one of those um, classical periods. It's His hair is amazing, though. I love his he's hair. Like, I love Bach <laughs> so much that I want to look like him. <laughs> Oh, Brian May. 
great guitarist too. Brian May is cool. He is my favorite part of Queen, and I've I've dissed on Queen quite a bit. We can talk about them later too. I have. Uh, <laughs> they are, interestingly enough, a very classically driven rock band. Mm. Yes. But Brian's my favorite guy. I mean, he's quiet. He's introverted. He he seems really intelligent. But no, I I get it. One of the greatest rock bands of all time. I get it. That's fine. I'm not, I wasn't huge on all of them, but now I understand. And I started listening to Queen and there were things by Queen that I realized I liked a lot. Mm. So, you know what? This would be really cool. Let's save this. And I guess I wasn't expecting, but perfect segue. Let's forget about The Doors and Buffalo Springfield for now. Let's talk about Queen next podcast. Because you understand Queen, don't you? Yeah. At least to like a degree that I can talk about them. I love Queen, so. Let's talk about Queen. Awesome. All right. Well, that constitutes today's episode. And Christina, per usual, I will talk with you next week. Awesome. Sounds good. See you then. See you then. Later, everyone. Tune into the Worktip podcast and yeah, enjoy more antics and, and all that jazz. So. <laughs>